Hello, and welcome back to my little podcast, the Behind the Music Business podcast with me, Danny Champion. My music industry podcast, where I talk to a whole host of different people from around the UK music industry, from record labels to publishing companies, live music, artist management, session musicians, and anyone and everyone that I can think of. This week's episode is with Daisy Carberry, Marketing Coordinator at BMG Rights Management, on the label side of things. I actually taught Daisy up in Manchester a few years ago. She graduated from the university in 2018 and has been part of the team at BMG ever since. So it was great to catch up and find out what she's been doing since graduating from her course. We talk about the course that she did and migrating over from a songwriting degree through to working on the business side of things. And we talk about the inner workings of BMG Rights Management. Very, very appreciative of her giving up her lunch break to chat to me and, and catch me up, get me up to speed on everything BMG and everything marketing. So without further ado, here is my conversation with BMG's Daisy Carberry. <laughs> meetings this morning meetings this morning we have a label meeting yep. every monday um which is what we just had mm-hmm. um which is like two hours long basically running through um like the priority releases at the moment so the big ones that we've got coming up making sure is that all the different labels that you've got going on or is yes. it just well the one yeah that you're working on so it's the main bmg label but then it's uh skin so the dance label um Ram occasionally come in, but not every week, and then Rise, which is our rock label as mm-hmm. well. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much everyone. It's always fun, especially when you get kicked out of the normal room you're in, so you're in a tinier room, so that's right. fun this morning. <laughs> and what do those meetings include? Um, so it's mainly just going through artist by artist, as I said, of the priority ones, um, mm-hmm. running through what radio we've got, what TV we've got booked in, what the main campaign plot is. Right. Um, as well as kind of making sure that if there are any issues, they're raised and acknowledged <laughs> um, before it's too late. Uh, yes, and just making the full team aware. everybody in the label coming together? Or um, is it select individuals from the departments and stuff? Because there's a few people yeah, here. There's, yeah, it's, it's most of the main marketing team. So uh-huh. there's like myself and the other coordinators, the main project managers. Um, the sync teams occasionally drop in. Uh, the A&Rs come um some pe- people from finance come it's 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 everyone really well yeah select few but um people from each team so that everyone's just kind of aware of what's going on there's right. communication um especially for like big priority releases because it's a nightmare and using today's as an example how many releases are you as your team managing at any given time because oh you've obviously they're obviously <laughs> all going to be at different stages yeah you're not going to all suddenly have 20 all released in one week and no but occasionally that does happen nice <laughs> so for instance like this morning how many releases did you go through in um, the two hours so in the mm, 
so we've got the big the big one for this week is that we've got um like three projects launching on friday so album pre-orders going up and like right. first singles going out then we also have i think two album releases um one of which i'm working on so it's a big one for me um this friday and then next week we've got i think we've got like eight singles going out on the same day which doesn't usually happen because we right. try and avoid it because then you end up pitching for the same playlists mm-hmm. and you, you kind of want to stagger you're it. in competition with yourself and yeah, it's just yeah. a bit stupid um but at this time of year it's impossible to avoid that so you kind of just need to do it as best you can are you still as a company focusing on the q4 Yes. Time, you know, the 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 old way of releasing things because of Christmas and stuff like that is still yeah the yes. Case. But also, I think what you need to take into account now more than ever with streaming is the fact that from end of November to January, it's Christmas playlists and nothing else. So there's no point releasing really anything if it's not going to be a Christmas song because then people aren't listening to it. They're listening for the whole of December. It's Christmas playlists or nothing and radio is that's an the classic Christmas tracks. Yeah, so. that's an interesting way of looking at things because when you're releasing physical stuff, you release it at Christmas because of the mm. amount of people that buy yeah. CDs that don't normally because they're gifting them. Yes. And now we've got the thing where, well, we're all listening to music anyway on streaming, but the playlists... There's such a big thing now that's so yeah. important to a campaign that you kind of need to acknowledge that as well so i think what we try and do and i'm sure i think everyone tries to do because november is just horrendous there's so many more releases in november now like albums are all out by november so that yes you still get the whole right. i'm buying this album for christmas but then you've got all your main singles out so you're not pitching for playlists really because or like relying on playlist pitching because you probably won't get it because <laughs> Christmas songs just take over from December to January. You got any Christmas songs coming out? I think we, yeah, we actually do this year. I nice. think we've got maybe three. Okay. Potentially. Um, so we'll, that's the other side of things. Like if you're gonna sometimes with specific artists, um, ones that are, are already huge, you can then do like album repacks and yeah. then add a cheeky Christmas song onto it. Um, which All is, Christmas songs are cheeky. Exactly. <laughs> so I think that's, we do that with big artists, but with smaller ones, it's just, unless it's going to be like the next Christmas hit, there's no point releasing so anything. This is coming. songwriter do you still class yourself as a songwriter <laughs> oh yeah no i still you did songwriting at, I did. at university <laughs> seems like a long time ago now when you um, were in my classes yeah, yeah. and like uh, don't get me wrong like it's i still write songs uh it's a hobby and that's something that i don't have any intention of changing mm-hmm. i don't want it to be a career and it doesn't really interest me in that sense anymore you did you chose to do a songwriting i did course <laughs> i did when on the course did you realise that songwriting was something that you enjoyed as a hobby um, and that actually you probably needed to think of of something a bit extra? I think it was by the start of second year mm-hmm. in that I've loved fish. I loved it every year um, and I really enjoyed songwriting, but it felt like the more and more assignments I was doing, I was like, this isn't fun anymore. Like, okay. I'm not enjoying this. Um as much I just I felt like 
I don't know. My, but the style of songs that I was writing was changing, but not because I wanted it to, because I was trying to fit briefs and stuff, which is obviously the whole point of a songwriting degree. And it's learning how to write in different genres. But I was like, I don't even know what my genre is anymore. Right. And what I enjoy writing in. So. Do you think from someone who now has kind of come out of education yeah. and is working in the industry, what's your personal thoughts on a education, a degree course? in something like songwriting which is subjective everybody yeah, yeah. has different ways of doing it what again these aren't these kind of your personal yeah, yeah, opinions yeah. and things like that what i would i think i would i'd even though i've come out of it and i don't want to do songwriting i'd still have done a songwriting degree i wouldn't have changed that mm-hmm. at all yes on the course at times i was like i don't know why i'm doing this <laughs> but also that's the case for <laughs> yeah, most people it's fine that's what how you feel at uni um but yeah i wouldn't Especially, you know, I think it's becoming more and more of, it's it's done more often. Mm-hmm. Where when I came out of uni, everyone was like, when I used to say that I'd done a songwriting degree, they'd be like, I didn't realise you could do that. But I've met at least four or five people here who've done almost exactly the same degree at a different uni I and end you, up in this position as well. You so, can't, unless you're doing something very specific, like medicine Yeah. or architecture or something like that which takes much longer Mm -hmm. to do I think a university degree and and your eventual career doesn't necessarily have to be no of course not each other I think the idea is you know you just said that about halfway through your degree you realized that what you were learning isn't necessarily what you're going to be yeah. Pursuing as a career, but that didn't stop you from kind of trying. Yeah, yeah, of course. It didn't stop you from learning your aptitude, the way that you can yeah. do work, which I'm hoping and guessing has bled into your time. Yeah, that's the here. thing. Like, that's another reason why I don't regret doing it, because with a course like the one that I did, um, it's not just songwriting, which I know a lot of people complained about, but I was like, that suited me down to the ground because it was everything. So it's it's publishing and it's songwriting and it's music theory and you know it's like it's you see the industry as a whole mm-hmm. rather than going into it and saying you know this is how you write songs. There you go. See you later. There's your degree. It's like I feel like as an artist, even if you're not going to do what I did and end up at, at you know a label or in the business side of things, you need to have a a knowledge of that because yeah. it's it just. Nowadays, artists need to be able to kind of do everything for themselves or at least understand it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like gone are the days where, you know, you, you, someone writes a song for you and you just sit back as the artist and do nothing and let everything be done for you. You can't do that anymore because it's too competitive. Uh-huh. If you go in there with a full knowledge, um, being able to write your own songs, maybe produce your own songs, knowing the industry, self-publishing, which is, you know, a massive thing now. Um, it's... Up, it gives you an up hand, really. Was there anything missing? From the degree? Yeah. Um. Knowing what you know now. Yeah. And again, I don't think any university teaching any subject can touch all the points no. that you probably need to. You've got to make a decision somewhere. But you've been here at BMG for, what, a year and a bit? Yeah. Now in between uh interning here and and getting full-time job yeah so you've obviously learned a chunk of stuff here yeah 
is there anything from your time in education where you've gone, I wish I'd, we'd looked at that? Yeah. It's hard to say because I'm like, maybe they did look at that in on the music business course. Had I done a course in music business, it might have been completely different. But doing a songwriting course, obviously they're not going to touch on everything that happens in the mm-hmm. industry. Um, so, like, on one hand, I'm like, I would have loved to have come out of uni and understand already how a marketing campaign is structured because there is a very specific way uh-huh. um, and done maybe more on the marketing side of things but that might have been a module that was on the music business course had I chosen that um, and I was lucky in that I structured my entire dissertation around it so mm-hmm. I came out knowing a bit I just wish it had been more because um, it's a, a lot to learn it would have been nice to have more because I feel like it happens with a lot of people going into like the song, maybe the songwriting or like vocals or whatever, drums, those kind of courses, you get through a year and you're like, maybe business is more suited to me. If there was more, yeah, more choice so that you don't have to drop out and, you know, start oh, again yeah. on the, the opposite course or whatever you want, you can just add these modules into your own. So you're still doing songwriting or you're still doing performance modules, but you're also doing a lot more business. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it just happens so often that, like like me, people are just like, okay, maybe... Maybe business is more for me than actually. What bit of university did you enjoy the most? And I'm not talking, I mean, it can be a specific module. Yeah. Feel free to say mine. Um, <laughs> it, but again, like the three years that you were there, what was the bit that you enjoyed the most? That's, um, I don't know, actually. I did love the, I love performing. Mm-hmm. So I used to like, all the, the, the kind of more... and I mean, it's a shame they only did it in first year, but there was um, LPW, which I used to absolutely love. Um, but then, as I got more into business, I liked that a lot less. <laughs> um, so I don't really know what part of uni I enjoyed. I think it was meeting everyone. Like, right. you just, you're in a place with so many different musicians and so many different genres. It mm-hmm. ma- makes you listen to things that you wouldn't necessarily listen to which going into the music industry and enable which is such a mix of genres has been so helpful what was the community like where you were when that came to collaboration and meeting people from different walks yeah. of life because again universities can be big terrifying places yeah. and also you've got to have a job because you've got bills to pay and yeah it can be quite difficult was it doable was it easy to collaborate was it easy to meet new people from other courses and things like that I think so yeah I mean because it's such a creative it's a creative university it's not like it's a university that has like a couple of creative courses on them Mm -hmm. it's like everyone's there because they are creative people who want to be involved in music so I think everyone's eager like really eager to <laughs> collaborate and like oh let's work on a song together or let's do this so there was there was a lot 100%, of that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. it was i mean it's a lot it's a mix of characters and at first it's very full-on because <laughs> uh, yeah it's just a lot but um it it has really really helped in that i feel like i came here already knowing well already confident enough okay. to be like okay let's i need help on this mm-hmm but I also know loads about this area already, so I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think collaborating, not an issue at all. So you've mentioned your dissertation. Yeah. You've mentioned the fact that you're 
interest shifted mm-hmm. a little bit throughout year two. What sparked the interest in the wonderful world of marketing and putting campaigns together and that side yeah. of things? Um, I've always had, well, I've always had an interest in how things look and like branding and mm-hmm. you know colors and how people like promote themselves and advertising and I had an interest in all the kind of visual things I just didn't really know that marketing necessarily had all of that okay <laughs> um but my sister got into it in a different world completely she's like freelance creative content writer right um she got into that and then she was just talking about stuff she was doing at, at work and talking about her job and I was like well that sounds really interesting um I'd love to do something like that and then from there it, I tried to especially with my dissertation look into it in you know in terms of myself or other musicians mm-hmm. so my dissertation I very cheekily <laughs> did it so that I didn't actually have to release any music whatsoever nice. <laughs> which was obviously something that I didn't I didn't want to give myself any more work with the amount of songs you have to write for for the final year anyway. Yeah. Um, but it was basically testing the theory that artists don't have to release music in order to gain a following. Okay. So I released absolutely no music. I just promised music mm-hmm. and looked instead at how, you know, I picked a colour for myself using like the psychology and the history of colours and colour theory. And then I looked at typography and language um, and... So all the... Fe- the everything. The like marketing in, tools. Yeah, in absolute detail. Right. Um... And even wrote myself a brief on like how I was going to talk online and how each picture was going to look and each picture was going to have this colour involved in some way um, and just did it for I think it was about four months just right. like heavy posting a lot and very specific things um, I even brought it to my interview here nice as a way of like oh hi hi me um, which worked apparently um, we'll come back to that yeah. um, and. Yeah, basically tested the theory that I could get a following without actually, by just saying that I was a musician right. and not actually showing anyone any music. Did you? And it worked, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it did work, yeah. I think if I'd given it another... The issue with dissertations is that you never get long enough, so it worked. Yeah, but if you got the amount of time, you would realise that you just didn't want that amount of time. Exactly, so it, it would stuff. never have been long enough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, it did really work, and I really enjoyed it as well. It was really fun. But that's kind of solidified for me I was like yeah marketing's the thing because it's just even if I don't end up wanting to stay in this area it's such a broad area I feel Mm -hmm. like I talk to I'm talking to A&R I'm talking to Sync I'm you know I'm talking to finance and the lawyers like I talk to everyone it's a great you know you're communicating with the entire team here rather than I think in other teams you don't necessarily get that broad overview so We're in Paddington at we the are. moment. Uh, you're not from I'm not. Paddington. I'm not from Paddington. <laughs> uh, you went to uh, University of Manchester. Yeah. You're from... Nottingham. Nottingham originally. I am. You had to take the plunge to just move yes. to London. How was that? That was fun. <laughs> yeah? Well, I, I think I did it in the right way. In okay. that I handed my dissertation in and then a week later started this job. Right. So I had no time off, which was knackering, 
but also I had no time to think about moving home at all, which I knew if I move back to Nottingham, I'll be there for the next 20 years and that's it. So, and I just really don't want that. I love it, but I just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a big step. It is massive. and It's one thing going from where you live to university, where you kind of get yeah. that first year, you kind of get... Support. <laughs> well, yeah, there's there's halls of residence or there's yeah. places where you go. There's a huge number of people that are in the same boat as you. So yeah. there's kind of this, hey, we're all in this together. Let's find our feet together. Yeah. Whereas this was... It was mental. You go to the biggest city in the country... <laughs> by yourself. By <laughs> yourself and have to hit the ground running. Yeah. I mean, even I, when I moved to London back in the day... I came down here with five mates yeah. from uni. So we were in it together yeah. kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, so, I didn't but, have I mean, that. How was it? Oh, I... Um, it was... I, don't, I think for the first month, I didn't actually notice. Okay. In that I had some... My boyfriend and friends were actually in London at the time. And it was summer here. So everyone's out for drinks every night after work. And the, the weekends I always had plans. So like the first month I didn't even realise I'd moved. Okay. And then I guess I mean you had boyfriends. Yeah, had which is helpful. But weren't. then they went. Oh, right. So one month in I was like, oh my god, because I was living in a six bed house by myself. Right. Completely for three months. Um in Isle of Dogs, which is way out, like it's <laughs> very random area. Being there in a six bed house by yourself is not ideal when you just moved to London. But I think So is in a six bed house with Literally just Literally no one, it. just me. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. So yeah, but in a way, it just forces you out in that I was like, there's only gigs going on here. I was like, yep, I'm going to go because I don't really want to go back to my house. But it, it so it pushed you into engaging. Yeah, because I had to. Otherwise, I'd go home and that'd be it for the evening. You know, you're not talking to anyone for the mm-hmm. rest of the weekend or whatever. So it's just, okay. it makes you more sociable, whether you want to be or not. Um, which when you first start a job, I think is a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that helped and then by September bear in mind I moved in June I then got a more permanent place in Brixton again with just random people but by then I felt like I was settled enough that that wasn't really an issue and as long as people were around and in the house I didn't really care whether they were friends or not Mm -hmm. Um, and now that's quite a big part of London living and London You have to, yeah, you live with strangers, that's just life. So I lived there until May um, and decided that living with your landlady probably wasn't a great idea. Right. So I now live with my boyfriend uh, and his band. So it's a completely different story now, they're here all the time, so, well, apart from when they're not. Um, But, yeah, I just feel, it's taken a a whole year for me to feel like London is home, Mm -hmm. But now I couldn't live anywhere else. I absolutely love it. I okay. think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd go home to Nottingham for a weekend and that's lovely, but by Sunday I'm like, okay, let's go back. <laughs> let's go back to London. I just love, yeah, I love how big it is and I feel like I've made friends with the most random people, like people from school that were like five years below me that I've never spoken to before. Just because they're in London, you like grab onto each other and you're like, <laughs> okay. let's meet up, let's go for drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I love it. How much did you know about BMG before you applied for the job? Um, what you taught me in publishing. Nice. <laughs> Which was really that good. That a lesson. But also, I turned up to the interview with all this publishing knowledge behind me. Like, yeah, I knew that publishing roster off by heart. <laughs> and they sat down, they're like, who's your favourite artist that we've signed um, to the record label? And I sat there and I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> so that was fun. Nice. <laughs> 
But so yeah, I, I did know quite a bit about the publishing side of things, but not too much about records. Which mm-hmm. I mean, I somehow got the job anyway, and here we are. Um, and I know a lot now, which is yeah, helpful. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, one of the things, and you mentioned that you brought your dissertation along yeah. to the uh, to the interview, but. I think from being someone who has interviewed people and being someone who has been interviewed for mm-hmm. various things and has taught and I've talked to multiple people about what do you look for in employees it's not necessarily blind facts or it's not yeah. necessarily your university degree it's enthusiasm yeah. it's your character again you know it's like if you get asked a question and you don't know the answer and you don't want to bullshit, don't bullshit. No. Kind of go, you know what? Actually, honesty and integrity don't know. <laughs> go, goes a fairly long way. Um, so what do you know about the place now? Well, I know a lot now. <laughs> um, basically, with the record side of things, um, we want to be the last physical record label standing in the market. So we are, we have artists that, absolutely thrive in the physical market like they we're still doing every single format under the sun okay um the artists that you sign the deals that you do are they specific are they specific to this way of thinking this idea of actually we want to be yeah i mean it's not don't get me wrong it's not 100 percent that obviously we're looking for we're not being naive that physical formats of new music and whatnot will last forever because Mm -hmm. they won't unfortunately um so we are obviously we've got new artists and we're looking for streaming heavy people that can break into that market as well and we have a fair few now um just yeah a lot of our physical is what we are really good at Mm -hmm. um and yeah so our plan is just basically to continue to be the best specifically cd or is that it's everything cassettes and about five different vinyl um Yeah, honestly, there's some mental <laughs> formats. Like I'm, I've, I'm currently working on Pixies, which is out on Friday. Cool. Um, which is amazing because I absolutely love them. Um, and how many? Fa- We've done a cassette, two different vinyl, a box set, a seven-inch vinyl, um, a CD, a deluxe CD like case-bound book. Um, it's just mental. Like, do you get? To lot. be quite creative when it comes to those sorts of formats. I'm trying to delve into that side of things more mm-hmm. um, and be involved in that conversation more because they know here that that's visual side of things is something that I'm really interested in. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they're trying. I'm trying to be more involved in that side of things, but we have the supply chain team who deal with all, all the artwork. You've got lots of different labels. Yeah. You mentioned you're in the marketing department for one of them or for a collective of them? I assist on quite a few. I've just started assisting on quite a few skim projects. That's completely out of my comfort range because Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, like Dan, it's like heavy house techno. It's just not necessarily something I know much about, Uh but I've got, I think I'm I'm assisting on about five different artists from skint now which is really interesting i was in a planning meeting for one last week and usually like i haven't worked here for like almost a year and a half um it's you kind of learn 
pluggers, like radio pluggers, TV pluggers names, which radio shows you're going to be pitching for. Like you recognise all the names that are floating around a planning meeting mm-hmm. and like who you're aiming for, who your targets are. That meeting, no idea. I was trying to take minutes and I was like, <laughs> I don't recognise any of these names. So that was fun. But I think I need that because it's nice just to be able to market things that... But So how does it work internally? Is there a large kind of central marketing team yes that all the labels kind of feed into and and off of and you are part of that team yeah and your specific area is a number of the labels but and not others or does do some of the labels have more centrally focused or I think the teams that they go to every time how it's set up is that there's me and two others who are marketing coordinators mm-hmm. Um, we assist on projects of from most of the different um, labels. Uh, we get involved with everything. And then there's also about four or five project managers who do just BMG. Um, and then for Skint, there's two project managers that do the whole of Skint. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same again for Ram. And then it's just one person who's doing rise from here because rise is mostly US. comes out of america yeah. yeah um so there's kind of less like we don't assist on anything from rise um just because it's not really necessary yeah um but it is insofar as like our job it's you know it's a real mix like we could be on anything um but then when it goes to the project managers there's very specific areas for them and you know genres that they are more suited to so i'll put on um but yeah, it's quite nice being a coordinator and just being involved in everything rather than one genre. What do you do as a coordinator then? So what's what does a week in oh God, this week is mental. life look like? <laughs> this week looks crazy. So let's use this as an example. Okay. Um, so as I said, Monday's our label meeting, mm-hmm. um, which I've already discussed with you. And then we've yep. got this afternoon, we always have production and scheduling, which is going th- we us um, assistants go in and we speak to supply chain um, about upcoming releases, making sure that everything's delivered and we're working to deadlines well and not missing anything or letting anything slide. What are those things? So artwork are, deadlines, right. audio deadlines, um, and then like physical artwork deadlines as well, um, pre-order dates, that kind of thing. Um, and then we also discuss kind of quantities. So. UK quantities, um, US quantities, whatnot, um, and make As in sure the numbers of physical yeah, so items that you are our initial fa- like factory order, and then you. reassessing it later down the line as to how many we're actually going to ship out. Uh-huh. Um, that's what happens on Mondays. We have that every week as well, and then tomorrow I have a launch event. Well, it's a it's a media launch event for a band that we're flying in from Nashville, so it's a bit country. Nice, uh, which will be at Gibson. Um, so that happens quite a bit towards an album release we'll usually do something or around its launch mm-hmm. we'll do something for press um, hire a venue do a live performance that kind of thing just so and so your part in putting that together yeah so was... I've organised you know I've been organising all the backline hiring and uh, tech stuff mm-hmm. as well as sending out the invites to the right people coordinating guest lists hiring in glassware I mean, it's everything. All the glamorous stuff. Yeah. And then the same band are coming in again on Wednesday to do a performance here, mm-hmm. um, which we always try and do as well. And is that for? for the Yeah, for the team, the generally. Here. So for everyone, because people, people in finance, people in, you know, round the corner in copyright might not 
have necessarily heard this band they just mm-hmm. heard it and you know seen it in an email or whatever so we are try you, and bring people in from my background in sync are you in constant conversation with that team about you know the, the marketing creating that plot that you, you mentioned yeah about bringing in yeah external supervisors or people from other industries when you're putting on these sorts of events in-house we yeah getting sync contacts here is really really important especially to or either to this kind of thing or to gigs even um but is that something that you're doing or is that more what they're we give that to sync teams the sync team are the ones that organize getting contacts there but i mean there are there are artists that that is more important for but you're in conversation um, with but it, yeah, all the we, different yeah. departments are working together yes 100 percent. everyone's in con- um, conversation mm-hmm. um constantly there's too many emails flying around nice. <laughs> as per um but yeah what else have i got this week um then it's just going to be preparation for i've got obviously pixie's album out on friday mm-hmm. which i think is pretty much set up but they've got um on thursday they're doing like a launch event where they're inviting everyone down to the studio that they're practicing in um like a big group of their biggest fans and doing a performance for them um and then i've also got completely on the other side of of music generally i've Mm -hmm. got Alla jones and russell watson so some classical Mm -hmm. um launching on friday um so their album which will be out in november um the pre-order and their first track goes up on Friday. Um, so they've got loads of promo around that. So I'll be organising everything from the hotels and travel to, you know, the logistics side of things um, to actually getting the album set up. Mm-hmm. It's a real mixture, like, every day is completely different. Um, the people we talk to, completely different. Um, so it's, yeah, it's going to be a fun week, <laughs> as per. Enjoying it? Yeah, no, I absolutely love it. And I'd rather be this busy than... Sat, your heels yeah, because um, I don't think I work as well in that kind of environment. So no, I love it, and I'm really glad that I can stay rather than have to go somewhere else mm-hmm. after my internship. And you mentioned a minute ago about this like this opportunity to switch. Yeah. Internally, is that something that the that's something that does? yeah they welcome. Okay. Yeah, because I mean. If you're working hard within the company, it, it's like... Is it a programme that they have? That's they con- do have... Constantly, or is it like as and when a position comes up? I think it's kind of both. I think they definitely have... They've mentioned before that they've got like a three-month programme that they sometimes do. Okay. Um, but then obviously as and when jobs come up, if you spot one that you're, you really want to go for in New York, you know, it, they'd rather hire internally than they would hire externally. So if you're regardless of what office you're currently working in okay so there's opportunities to yeah 100 percent. they're really everything. really good and supportive in the sense that they want to promote internally rather than you know outsource people um and they've made that very clear obviously the fact that i've got a position here full stop is mm-hmm. testament to that um but they've already just been very supportive about what stage is next for me where i'm going to go after this what's you know what role I should be aiming for like in the next year that kind of thing okay so they I mean yeah I can't really ask good more progression then. opportunities good yeah. management yeah I'm, I mean I'm managed by which is really lovely I'm managed by two women so which is quite refreshing in the music industry um yeah. that the two people that are senior to me are both women so that's been lovely not that 
I've got anything against being managed by mum, but <laughs> it's just nice and refreshing. Um, being a woman in a um, entry yeah. level position in the music industry or having only just entered the music industry, yeah. do you, have you seen firsthand those sorts of issues of glass ceilings ahead of you or anything like that? Not personally, no. Mm. I've had no issue with that whatsoever. Um, the te- marketing team especially is just so supportive and lovely and, you know, I think it does help that that it's so... It's just such an equal split mm-hmm. um, gender-wise and that it's not like it's just all men being given the, given the senior positions. And Alistair, who's the president, is just... He's made it, you know, kind of BMG's mission since he's arrived as the president um that you know it's that's not going to be an issue here i mean it's don't get me wrong like as in any workplace i'm sure that's not the case 100 percent yet but that's something that he's expressed he's gonna you know drive out (laughs) drive out the glass ceilings Maybe using the Pixies as an example, Mm -hmm. or maybe using something else that you might have coming out in a few weeks' time. What are the elements of campaigns that you're working on at the moment? I think with like one like the Pixies, um, which is like a big release, um, it all starts with a well. Once you've gathered a team together, so first you obviously meet with management. You discuss what they want um, from the campaign and what their targets are, what, with the Pixies who are obviously had numerous albums out before, what the last album achieved mm-hmm. and what teams you, they used on the last album because that wasn't with us, so we didn't do that one. Yep. Um, so it's getting that out, you know, out in the open first and yep. then gathering the team, so picking appropriate radio pluggers. So we've got people that are more suited to pitching for Six Music, which is obviously you know, a really big market for mm-hmm. um, Pixies especially um, and Radio X. And then we've got other people who, who are like specialist pitchers that would be um, more appropriate for people like Alad and Russell or people going to specialist radio, so skin artists. Um, mm-hmm. So picking those people and the same again for TV. So even before you've really started thinking about what you're actually going to do with those people or what you're going to get those people to do. Yeah you are building yeah. the group of people that you're going to call upon at any given time. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, so you haven't got an idea of what you're doing, you've just got the list of people that you're going to get involved. You've got the the very, the, the briefest, like most basic idea of what you want, because we want, with an artist like Pixies, you know it's going to be six music, you mm-hmm. know, um, with TV we're going to be aiming for um, Jules and, you know, performance-based programmes like Graham Norton, Jonathan Ross, so you know who's, I think... The longer you work here, obviously, you know who is best suited to pitching for said programmes or radio. Mm-hmm. So it's assuming that management approve, um, getting them on board, and then you have like a, the biggest planning meeting ever with ridiculous amount of people involved, <laughs> where you basically outline the timeline. So the rollout of singles, you know, when the album's going to be out, what formats we're looking at doing, um, and then 
just going round each so going to TV and going to radio, outlining their their pictures or what they you know are targeting. Mm-hmm. Same again for our digital retail team here. They do the same, um, and the other digital team that are doing all the socials, they'll again you know pitch all their ideas um, as to what the campaign should look like for them. Um, so it's just basically the first meeting is chaos and it's just loads of ideas being thrown out. Um, but you should come away with uh, hopefully an album release date and a pre-order date if you're going to you know launch a pre-order mm-hmm. and a first single date, maybe even a f- radio first play target. Um, for example, for Pixies, Steve Mac on six. Um, they've had two first plays with him now. Um, so that's what the first meeting kind of looks like. And then from there, once you've got all that set up, it's then passed on to me to then set up everything. So once we've got music delivered, I can then set it up in our systems um, with release dates and whatnot, pack shots and artwork, um, sending templates off to supply chain to get all the physical artwork sorted. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just the fun bit. <laughs> The fun logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, Has to be done. It does, because the deadlines are tight. They're always so tight. Um, what sort of timescales are you working on? It's hard at the moment with Brexit, in that we have to <laughs> allow to. for... Not going to even and, um, go down that road. We have to allow a bigger window for things like, especially physical and shipping and <clears> whatnot. Um, so usually we ideally want, if it's just like a single, um, a digital single, uh, digital retail will want three weeks ideally two if not um to then pitch into spotify apple whatnot mm-hmm. the playlists um physically we need four week we need album artwork and digital audio to be um delivered four weeks ideally before our launch date mm-hmm. so which never happens um and then you know physical artwork dates are given to us <laughs> with according to what project it is but it's yeah it's always tight and it's always a struggle um but that comes next and then from there it's just building the plot so getting all the radio plays the tv spots and and whatnot um and building around each digital single and when they're going out um and then just building a strong plot for week of release basically um getting as much tv and radio still tv radio press yeah Sync, basically kind of um although with press now it used to be that you know premieres so video premieres and whatnot were really important and we just i feel like now they just don't connect as well so that's less less of an issue we're doing more like youtube premieres now um because okay. we find that they're actually really effective yep. with with the diehard fans um they'll log on an hour in advance to chat it's with the band direct and, access yeah no, you exactly. don't have to wait and most artists are yeah. really happy to do that. Um, so that's what no, we've been doing more of rather than like the press premieres because they they look good to industry people. I feel like with us, we're like, oh, that artist got like, you know, dazed or whatever. I, I don't know, um, to premiere that video. That's great. But I don't think anyone else really necessarily has the same. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't really matter um, because press are going to cover it anyway, regardless. Yeah. So. But yeah, that's the basic outline of, a campaign really um with lots of marketing planning meetings in between bits and pieces involved yeah what advice would you give to 
emerging artists. Okay. Now that you have had a window into putting a campaign and marketing things together. Yeah. So those who haven't got a label, who are doing everything themselves, so and also for someone who put together a dissertation of how to generate a yes. following without any music, what advice would you give to artists who do have some music? And what advice would you give to those people moving through university now thinking about what the hell they're going to do afterwards yeah um emerging artists i say learn how to do as much as you can by yourself as possible because it's so much more appealing if you even if you don't want to if you want to be signed even if you don't um if you approach a label and you're like i've done this myself like we've got an artist who's just recently signed to us who is completely emerging doesn't really have a following necessarily at all yet um but has like written all his own songs um he's produced them all he's even done animation for his own videos like it's he's literally just he's come to us with this and he's like just release it for me basically which is really appealing to a label um even without the stats and the analytics and all that sort of stuff i think they can be they can be built as long as the the, they were is, impressed enough with the yeah, music. Yeah, if it's of quality, what's yeah. being provided, then I don't think that's necessarily everything. Mm-hmm. It does really help, um, especially with the publishing side of things. Um, but it's not everything. But even if you don't want to sign to a label, you want to do it all yourself, um, it's just, yeah, having a broad knowledge of the industry as a whole is so vital now, I can't even tell you. It just mm-hmm. it helps so much. Um, so just doing the stuff that I did for my dissertation as an artist would just be really useful. Yeah. Because if you put then, you know, you're approached by a man- potential management company or whatever and you they go on your social media and it's all a theme and it's all, you know, and you've got, a f- you've developed a following as a result. It's, they're like, okay, before they even heard your music, you've got a great image, brilliant, let's mm-hmm. get involved. So I think that helps artists um, just being able to do everything yourself is <laughs> quite useful. Um, people moving through uni, trying to decide what to do a similar advice in that getting involved in as much as possible really helped me in that I think even by the start of third year I didn't although I knew that I that business interested me more I didn't necessarily know what area so I dedicated the whole of third year to finding that Mm -hmm. so I got a job I had a job at the box office um at the Apollo and then I got a job in merch at the arena so I was seeing live music like every single night um going to friends gigs getting involved in their music doing backing vocals um doing the mar- all the marketing dissertation stuff on the other side and then advising you know friends and and other artists on how to do their marketing like just try having like one foot in every single door mm-hmm. is actually really helpful until you pinpoint which door you want to actually go through um because then at least it's open slightly for you cool thanks for having me any time at all. <laughs> Massive thank you to Daisy, as I said, for giving up some of her lunch break to chat to me, to catch me up on things. Uh, it was great to see the offices over at BMG. And it was uh, just a really nice chat, catching up with someone who has 
a lot of drive, a lot of interest in the world of marketing and promo and is doing some really great stuff since, since graduating. So if you yourself are in the last year of your university degree or you have just graduated yourself and you're interested in reaching out to those in similar positions to you or maybe those that are a couple of years ahead of you, do reach out, do contact me at the podcast and I can put you in touch with those graduates that I still do some work with. You can reach me at the podcast via email, behindthebusinesspod at gmail.com, via Instagram at behindthebusinesspod, or follow me on Twitter for my occasional tweets at Danny Champion. As always, massive thank you for you getting involved and listening to my little podcast. It's been a lot of fun this past year and a bit. Uh, that I've been doing it. I'm going to be running episodes every week until the end of the year before taking another little break. So looking forward to bringing you some more episodes from uh, a whole host of different people uh, that I will be pushing and promoting via Instagram and a few of the other social media platforms. Thank you very much for listening and you'll hear from me next time. Cheers.